The following is a production of Galactic Netcasts. Before there was radio, TV, or podcasts, people gathered together to tell stories. These stories were meant to entertain or educate. It really drew people in and helped them forget their troubles of the day and experience something they've never imagined before or maybe illustrated something in a way that was more easily to mentally digest. This tradition has been reborn in the forms of not only RPGs and LARPs, but in console, card, and board games as ways to tell a story and bring you into the tale. We're going to be talking about news, kickstarters of games you should be aware of, and interview a guest about a topic that involves some aspect of storytelling. We welcome you to the Adventure Party. Hello and welcome to the 40th gathering of the Adventure Party on this, the 6th of February. Uh, I'm your party leader, Brad Ludwig. We ask that you peace tie your swords, holster your blasters, and make sure uh, you have plenty of money in your checking account to back Kickstarter projects. I've been backing a lot of stuff lately uh, and uh, feeling the burn, but you know what? They're good games, so I guess I really can't complain uh, when you're gathered at the meeting table. Ben Gerber is our guest this evening, and Ben is a game designer. Uh, he has a podcast, and he is the owner uh, and editor-in-chief of his website, Troll in the Corner. How are you today? I am doing wonderful. Thank you very much for having me. Well, thanks for uh, taking the time to, to hang with us. To make sure that we meet some time commitments that you have, we're going to kind of change our order up just a little bit to, to make sure that we get a good long interview with you. We're just going to change things up a little bit, I think, just to, to make things happen here. Sounds good. Uh, the second in command, as always, here at the Adventure Party is Glenn Bittner, and he is a movie reviewer on the YouTube show B-Movie Bunker and the creator of the RPG Mistrunner. How are you, Glenn? I am good. I got one of our Kickstarter games, Dragon Punch. Oh, nice. It just arrived in the mail today. I have not been able to play it yet, but it came in a nice, it's a nice little wallet, so I'm looking forward to playing that tomorrow. Very cool. I, I just got my notification about Sun, Moon, and Stars, and it uh, looks like that'll be shipping around the week of February 20th. So all sorts of things that we've backed and talked about during the show are, are starting to, to come out now, and that's really kind of exciting. <laughs> that's, that's always the key, isn't it, when you actually get the games? Oh, I know. Yes. That's, that's the best part. Um, well, also, I, I had forgotten about this one, and also I'm like, what did I get from this? I don't know who these people are. What? <laughs> it feels like a pack of cards, but what is it? I'm like, oh, that's right. That game I backed. It wasn't that long ago. It was like two months, well, three months ago. Yeah, yep. So. It, it's like Christmas. <laughs> Sometimes you forget about it, and you get a package. You're like, I don't know where this is from. You open it up, and you're like, oh, surprise! Christmas in whatever month you're in. Always a pleasure. Looking at stuff here, let's do our review first, Glenn, and then we're going to jump into our, our uh, interview with you, Ben. Why don't you kick it off, Glenn? What do you got for us? All right. I decided to go back a little bit and pull up a game that I like that actually has been out for a little while. I've been doing that a little bit lately. This one is called Alhambra. The designer is uh, Dirk Hen, and it's from Queen Games, now kind of part of the Asmodee North America conglomerate super corporation games incorporated. Um, <laughs> this is a game for two to six players and it usually runs about 45 minutes to an hour. It is a tile game. Each player is building their own Alhambra. The Alhambra was this like, grand construction they were doing in the late 1300s in Spain. 
and each player is going to be building different sections of, of their own Alhambras. You can build gardens, you can build towers, arcades, pavilions, stuff like that. In order to do that, you have to buy tiles on your turn. The tiles are placed into four different markets, each market representing a different area where the workers come from. And of course, each worker wants to be paid in their native currency. So on your turn, you can do a couple different possible things. There are money cards that you can take to add to your hand, so you can then buy stuff on a later turn. You can purchase a building that's in the marketplace, provided you have the right amount of the right currency. And if you buy a tile, you can then place it somewhere in your Alhambra, uh, making sure that it lines up properly with walls and such stuff like that. There is a nifty little mechanic where if you ever buy a tile for its exact amount, um, because you might have, there might be a tile that costs, say, eight of the yellow currency. And if you only have a nine card, you can still buy that, but you get no change. That's basically like, oh, well, we don't make change. We, we're, we're construction people. We aren't banks. Um, <laughs> but if, if you have the exact right amount and you pay that amount exactly, you can take another turn. And you can keep doing that as long as you can pay an exact amount, which doesn't happen. You might get, you might be able to chain two turns in a row, uh, it's really hard to go beyond that because you really need to have a lot of money cards in your hand, which means you've wasted a lot of time just collecting money and not building things. Over the course of the game, there will be three different scoring rounds where that is uh, kind of mixed into the deck of money uh, cards are the different scoring rounds that will pop up. And each round, uh, so the first round, whoever has the most of each specific type of building will get specific points. So if you have the most towers, you get points. If you have the most arcades, etc. And then you also get points for your longest continuous wall on the outside of your Alhambra. Uh, everyone gets to score that. Second round, it's first and second place will score for. So first and second most towers, first and second most gardens, etc. And again, you score your walls. And then the third round, it's first, second, and third place score. Um, the game's a lot of fun. I like the I, I, I like these games where where you're you're building things and you're you're playing tiles to build things because there's always that challenge of Try not to build yourself into a corner because, as I said, you have to manage the walls on your Alhambra because everything has to have a clear path to your center in some way. And sometimes you'll buy a piece and also you'll buy it and you'll go, I have nowhere I can put this because I'm an idiot and don't pay attention to what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> you can put pieces on your reserve board and, and take a turn later to possibly uh, swap that out with a piece you already have in play or when you finally find an opening, you can put it in there. Um, but it is not uncommon for, for one or two players to end up with a couple of tiles that they bought and were never able to play because it just didn't fit right. Or you'll also sometimes get to the point where you build yourself and you're like, I have I have walled my Alhambra in. I can't add any more rooms without oh, swapping no. something out. So um, you do have to pay attention to what's going on, and it's a lot of paying attention to what your opponents are doing too because if I'm, if I'm banking on scoring lots of points for towers and I'm not paying attention all of a sudden I realize oh, Ben has more towers than I do. I'm like, oh, well, what else can I do? Can I go for gardens? No, I'm way behind on gardens. So then it's, it's kind of balancing out what types of abilities you want to go for. Because if you just go for a little bit of everything, that's generally a sure way to lose the game. Because you're going to finish sure. second or third, which means in the first round you're getting nothing. In the second round you might get nothing. In the third round, you know, and you might get a couple of points because it's it's a scale it's it scales you know obviously you get first you get a lot more points um, and it's just it's just a nifty little uh, I like the mechanic with the money and, and balancing your money to try to get that 
chain of, all right, I pay with exact change. Now I can take another building. All right, I pay with exact change again. Well, I don't can't afford another building, but now I can take money for, for my extra turn. Um, it's just pretty cool. It looks like a really fun game. About how long does it take to to play? 45, 45 minutes to an hour. I mean, the, depending on the number of players it, and and how slow some people can be placing their tiles. Um, the nice oh, thing is sure. that, is that um, because each player is working on their own thing, if you do get that player who's a bit slow in placing tiles, once they buy their tile, as long as they don't have an extra turn coming, you can move on to the next player while this person figures out where they want to put their tile because where they put it doesn't affect anyone else in the game. So, you know, if I'm if I'm next and I want to buy something, where you put your thing on your individual construction doesn't matter. So I can buy the tile I want and add it to my Alhambra and keep going around. And hopefully by the time we get back to you, you have figured this out and you got your head on straight and go, okay, it's going to go here because it's the only place you could have gone in the first place. Sure, okay. Uh, about how much does it retail for? Alhambra is usually around $45. Oh, wow. That's incredibly reasonable. Although that might be changing a little bit with uh, um, Asmodee North America now has, has raised their uh, distribution prices a little bit, so it, you might see a little uh, problem in some prices sure. of a lot of Asmodee-type games. Um, right. Actually, was 42 or 40 is the general MSRP. So. And looking at the list here, they've got a number of expansions, too. Kind of. Okay. Um, the game was originally uh, from Rio Grande. Okay. And a lot of the expansions were for the Rio Grande version, and then when Queen got it, a lot of those expansions did not make the, the journey over with them. Oh, okay. So they should be compatible still, because the game really hasn't changed, but they're hard to find because of the fact that they, the real grand versions haven't been printed for years now. Okay, yeah, because this game looks like it was released in 2003. Yes. So, okay, gotcha. Yeah, but it's one of my go-tos for people who are looking for something similar to Carcassonne. Okay, sure. Or other, other tile-type games, but they, you know, it's like they want something like that, and I can't get them to go to a completely different game, so I'm like, all right, this one's similar but different enough where you're, I think you're going to have a good experience. Okay, cool. Oh, it's a very cool recommendation. Uh, ben, are, are you a, a, a board gamer as well? I am very much a board gamer. Oh, he is. So uh, is this in your wheelhouse? Is this something that you would, you would, you would try out if you haven't already? Well, Alhambra falls um, with so many other games in modern board gaming into the biggest problem that I have with the hobby. Right now, it's actually two big problems, time and money. Uh, <laughs> I don't have enough time to play all the games that I want to, and I don't have enough money to buy all the games that I want to. Sure. Uh, it's, it's been on my radar for a long time, but I've never actually played it. Um, but it's definitely one of those games that if somebody were to say, hey, I have Alhambra, let's give it a shot, I'd say, absolutely, let's do it. But, you know, again, there's there's... Every year brings us a thousand new games, um, yeah. plus you know other games from independent publishers and whatnot. And, well, I'd love to play them all. I, I that's just not possible. Yeah, I, Glenn and I have been talking about how how wonderful Kickstarter has been for. It's brought about another renaissance of of gaming, and 
it's been it's been great to see because now you've got all these people that have had great ideas that haven't been able to come up with the backing for it to actually produce these things. But we now we've seen just such an explosion that it's like you see all these great things and you you really need to think about uh, what what the game is and if it's, it's something that you're particularly interested in. You have to be a lot more choosy than than maybe yeah, you were in the past. Yeah, and which is why I really like the new trend, uh, particularly with Kickstarter, where folks are posting at least the beta versions of the rules for the game online for their campaigns. And a lot of other larger companies are sort of starting sort of starting to follow suit on board game geeks and posting files of uh, game rules and whatnot. So you can look at it and say, oh, oh I didn't realize that this was, you know, based off the of Tiddlywinks. That's that's not gonna be anything that I'm <laughs> you know, even though it's Star Wars theme, I'm not gonna want to play it. Sure. Uh, or you can be like, well, it's about planting flowers, but wow, it's got, you know, action selection and there's a little bit of worker placement and there's a combat system. Eh, I guess I'll check that out. Sure. So. I, you know, we were talking about a game called Beer Garden. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it really kind of brings home the point that you can make a game about anything and have it, you can make, if you can make it interesting, that's, that's where it shines. And, uh, yeah, I, it's like no no subject is really out of bounds technically. Uh, you could I sure, mean we, we talked even with, wombat poop. Yep, <laughs> wombat poops on the board. Uh, Keith Mateka's game uh, where you construct a, the game is about making a character. Yep. Uh, <laughs> There's even deck building the deck builder. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I you know as long as you can make a game interesting, uh, have at and uh, Kickstarter. You know, if you if you put together the right marketing campaign on Kickstarter, uh, you stand a good chance of, of making good things happen. So, okay, uh, we uh, thank you very much for for pointing that out, Glenn. Um, we're going to talk about uh, how Galactic Netcasts, which is the uh, the the podcast group, I guess, uh, that we're a part of, uh, would like to have your support, if we could. Uh, if you enjoy what you hear, uh, consider supporting us by uh, you know, making a, a donation, uh, as it were. A uh, dollar a month can help uh, help our network grow and can help uh, keep the lights on, as it were. If you can support us at a $3 a month level, you get a monthly newsletter with extra stories related to all of our podcasts. And we'll talk a little bit later about all the different types of podcasts that Galactic Netcast has available. And if you can do something at a $5 a month support level, you can actually get an extra episode of each of our shows. And that would be available exclusively to our patrons. So uh, check us out at patron, uh, Patreon, sorry, .com. Uh, slash galactic netcasts, all one word, and support at what level uh, you can. We would appreciate that. Now we're going to make the jump here, and we are going to jump right into our interview portion with Ben Gerber. And uh, you wear many hats, sir. I do. I do. I'm slowly weaning myself out of a few hats as we move forward. But uh, yeah, I, I do a bunch of stuff. Well, you know, we wanted to talk about some of the hats that you wear, uh, game designer, blogger, uh, podcaster, too, and uh, find out more about each of these particular hats that you wear. And uh, you're involved with a couple of things here, too, that we wanted to talk about. Um, And uh, I guess, you know, the big thing that we want to start talking about is your new game, Ninja Silent But Deadly. And uh, we would love to, to hear about it. Sure. Well, 
Um, Glenn, I'm glad that you were holding up that wallet game earlier, because um, this is actually a, a wallet game as well from Button Shy Games. Um, and the concept behind wallet games, for folks who aren't familiar with them, is it's a little plastic wallet um, that has enough room for cards on each side and the rule setting. You can slip it into your pocket, the cards don't get damaged, bring it wherever you want to go, um, which is perfect for Ninja, because essentially the whole point of Ninja is you want to everybody that you love and like to hang out with and play games with, you really just want to assassinate them. Uh, <laughs> what better way to do that than carrying them around in your pocket so that you can whip them out as you need them and throw them at people and whatnot. Um, it's it's a metagame, this is what we're describing it as. I used to call it a prank delivery system. So the essence of the game is, and these are not the finished product, but you'll have a card that says you lose on it with a picture of a ninja. If you hand that to somebody, they look at it, and they just lost. So they just lost the first game of Ninja Island, but now it's up to them to hand it back to you in some way. They can't just hand it back to you because, of course, you're not going to take it. So they can slip it into your pocket. Um, they can tape it up to the people in the front door of your apartment. They can mail it to you from what looks like it might be a legitimate government organization, like maybe the IRS or something along those lines. The, the, the more complicated you get with it, the better. Um, but there, there we are. Um, the way we're designing this game right now um, for the basic level is you play it on a game night. So everybody's aware that these ninjas are out there. Say so you have five friends over for a game night. There's six of you. Six of you will get the Ninja Silent but Deadly cards, and it's up to you to deliver it to somebody. Basically, the last person standing is the winner of this metagame. And this can go on all throughout the game that way you're playing other games. It's a standard card size, so you just slip it in with some cards in the game, and if somebody happens to draw it, well, they're out. If they happen to draw two or three or, or five or seven of these things, well, that just kind of, you know, pours salt on the wound, and, and they're still out. And then anybody left at the end of the night wins. Um, and then uh, Button Shy uh, and I put together um, this thing called Advanced Ninja. Um, which uh, also comes with um, special cards that have a little website on them, and that's, those are the Stealth Ninjas. So Stealth Ninjas are for people who aren't familiar with the game. You can hand them a ninja card and say, ah, you just lost, but hey, look, go to the website that'll tell you how to play, and then it's up to them to sort of move it along. And then we have a couple of stretch goals that, that we're looking to reach um, right now, uh, two of which we've already reached. Um, the favorite one of mine so far is the one up top there, the Ninja Love Interest, because you have to deliver it with a gift of some kind or it doesn't work. Um, <laughs> we prefer chocolates or flowers or something like that. Valentine's Day is coming up, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, the, the neat thing about this, this Kickstarter that Buttonshy is running is that it's, it's a fairly short campaign. Um, they're doing 12 wallet-sized games a year right now. So they're at the first Tuesday, I believe, of every month, a new Kickstarter will launch from Buttonshy. And it'll be 10 or 11 days long, and boom, it's done, it's funded. Um, this will end in um, six days from now, which is February 6th, and then um, a couple of months later in April, the game arrives. It's, it's that easy. Uh, and it's also pretty inexpensive if you're in the States. It's $10 shipped for you to get the game and any of the um, um, uh, stretch goals that, that we reach. It's $11 if you want the extra six Stealth Ninja cards, uh, and then you can kind of add on from there for some other buttons that games too, which are, are pretty awesome games. So that's Ninja in a nutshell. Nice. And I gotta say, now this is a game you came up with quite a while ago. Yeah, I I had a um a version of it that I printed on demanded, uh, if that's a verb or an adjective. It is um, now. It is now. Um, <laughs> and it had you know some uh, clip art on it basically. Um, but it's been sort of making its way around some of the conventions a while ago. 
Um, another guy that I know, Chris, um, printed out these little trifold things and some miniature cards and pasted them up all over. I think it was the first PAX East um, that was out there, so a couple of years ago. Um, my local convention, which is Total Confusion in Massachusetts, uh, it's been sort of floating around out there for a while, too, for, for a couple of years. Because um, I've played it. Yes. <laughs> I, remember, has... I remember back back when you, when you first, when, when I first read about it on Troll in the Corner, and I... Mm -hmm. And I played it. Uh, played it at three different conventions. I've played it where Excellent. some I print uh, twice. It was me, and once someone else had printed out cards for it. See, that's my favorite thing about this game is that it's it's a it's a simple little concept, but it generates stories that people tell. Um, and every time I bump into somebody at a convention who's played this thing, or I'm talking to somebody online and, and they've mentioned it, they have a story about it. Because really. It's the only game I know of out there that the only way to get into the game is you have to lose. There's, there's really no, unless, you know, you, you go ahead and kickstart it and, uh, and, and hand it around to people. But if, if you don't know about the game and somebody pulls you into it, you just lost. There's no way around it. So then you have to, you know, you can't lose, you have to win. So it's up to you then to get back into the game and, and try and do something even better to, to one-up your buddies. <laughs> I like this. Yeah, it, it's 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 a it's an amazing feeling when you can have someone at the noodles at Gen Con deliver a card for you to someone else. And I, I, I've been telling this. I'll, I'll give away one of my tricks that I've been telling other folks about as well. And this is probably the best way to get somebody back. Um, is if you happen to have a little bit of uh, scotch tape on you and you're over somebody's house and you know that they know about the game. If you lift up the top of the toilet and take it to the inside of the seat, boom, insta-kill. There's no <laughs> way to avoid it. Oh, that's that's deliciously cruel. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, what inspired this? I mean, this is very... It's a, I mean, it's a metagame. It's a game that you play in real life, yeah. and... What what inspired this? Well, when I was a kid, I used to play, um, you know, Killers and Assassin and, and sure. stuff like that. Um, okay. Until, until those sort of things got banned when I was in high school. Um, that that always has kind of been in the back of my mind. Um, but to be honest with you, I can trace the lineage of this game back to a single weekend uh, about maybe nine years ago now um, in New Hampshire, and and it's a horrifically ugly wooden bird. Um, so I, I was staying with my wife and at, at the time my, my only daughter, we now have two daughters, um, and another um, family and their daughter as well in these condos in New Hampshire. Um, and somebody had gone out to Home Goods or something and, and spent very little money on a huge amount of ugly decorations to make this place look lived in so that when you stay there, you feel like you're at home. One of these decorations was a wooden bird about, oh, I don't know, roughly the size of half of my head. Um, and it was just really, really ugly. It was sort of standing up on its legs on this little ball and painted woodsy green and brown. Um, so we made sure that it ended up in our friend's shower one morning before they woke up. And they made sure that it ended up, you know, with our breakfast to the next day. And I may have accidentally slipped it into their luggage on the way home. Um, <laughs> and it's sort of been making the rounds for the past nine years now. It usually travels from family to family twice, maybe three times a year. Um, and it's gotten so far that I actually seriously tried to make room for it in my luggage a couple years ago when I went to Alaska so that I could mail it from Alaska to them because... They're not going to expect this thing to come from Alaska, right? Um, so 
that was really the inspiration behind Ninja. Uh, and then my uh, original iteration of it, um, I, I was thinking, how can I do this with other people? I only have one wooden bird. I'm not going to go out and spend more money on wooden birds. I'm not going to make anybody go and buy a ton of wooden birds. Yeah, what if I make a card? Well, what would you put on the card? Not a wooden bird, because nobody's going to get it. So ninjas. Ninjas assassinate people, right? Everybody knows what a ninja is. And there we go. That was how Ninja Silent But Deadly was born. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> uh, a little bird has told us about a game called Swamped. Yes. Let's hear about Swamped. Sure. Um, Swamped is a game um, that actually just uh, found its way, it started on Kickstarter, uh, found its way into retail February 2nd, so a little less than a week ago, uh, and should be appearing at some friendly local game stores, maybe a few online retailers and what have you now. Uh, basically. Uh, and this game goes back about two and a half years now, maybe a little bit less. Um, I was uh, designing um, a small game um, and looking for somebody to publish it. I play-tested for about six months, um, and I happened to um, blindly email um, Dennis from Bellwether Games with this game idea. I know that he had a small company, and he was looking to start putting out some new games, and smaller games might be better, so he took a look at it. He liked what he saw, um, although it was a bit of a different game when we first started out, and uh, he and I started developing it. Um, we went back and forth for, I would say, maybe six or seven months um, before what I had started off with and his ideas sort of gelled together and actually became swamped. Um, and um, um, we brought in Jonathan, um, who is the, the graphic designer and artist of the game as well, and started playtesting the heck out of it and setting ideas back and forth, and a year later, uh, we brought it to Kickstarter. Um, so what it is, and I, I've neglected my podcasting video duties here. I did not bring a copy of the box up with me, although I have a, a whole bunch of them sitting downstairs. Um, it's a very small box. Uh, it's, it's, I guess you could call it a micro game. Um, it, it has um, you know under 30 cards in it. It's got two wooden bits, and that's essentially the game. Um, it's a... Um, uh, a buddy of mine, Paul, is trying to get the word competitive into the lexicon of, of board game geekery. We haven't been successful yet, but it, it's a cooperative competitive game or a semi-co-op game. So you're in a swamp looking for this particular herb called Kingsfoil. You've been sent there by a um, pharmaceutical company to pick this up because it probably has some pretty interesting properties. Everybody has to make it through the swamp and collect at least three of these Kingsfoils, but there are three other treasures that you're also looking for as well. Now, to make things interesting, there also happens to be a giant crocodile living in the swamp um, who is moving towards the boat that you're all trying to pilot at the same time. Now, everybody has their own ideas about how best to go about finding these treasures and getting what they need, um, which is reflected in the fact that everybody has a hidden role as well. Right? Everybody has a character card that they're playing. Each character has two different ways to win. Um, so my character's way may be to collect five or more king spoil, or three king spoil and um, three hardwood, which is uh, another one of the treasures. Your character's way to do it may be to um, collect um, two of every treasure and get a certain amount of points, or get a ton of points by collecting, say, seven um, hardwood. So we're going to be battling back and forth over where we want to go, because of course these treasures are located in different places on the map. The map is represented by the back of a playing card, so you flip the cards over, there's a map on there. Um, every um, turn of the game, uh, which lasts several rounds, um, you're going to be adding two new map tiles to it. So if the croc is closing in and getting closer, it's attracted to Kingsfoil, so every time you get one of these things that's essential for you to finish the game, 
it's moving faster and faster towards you. So it's a race between everybody trying to get free of these things and exit the swamp safely, and everybody also trying to meet the demands of, of their particular character so that they can be the one who wins when you do exit the swamp. If the croc happens to get you, well, nobody wins the game. If you happen to run out of cards, well, you're stuck for the night in the swamp and nobody wins the game. Okay. Um, and we managed to get this all into a, a box with a retail price of fifteen dollars. Um, Holy cow! And yeah, it's um, it's it's not like I said, it's not a very big game, but there's a ton of gameplay in there. There's a ton of replayability, um, and you know, for a thirty-minute game that costs fifteen dollars, it's it's pretty hard to go wrong. At least that's that's how we're looking at it. Um, and it's been compared to a couple of other um, sort of competitive games, if you will. Um, and mechanically and, and thematically, it's not very much like um, Dead of Winter, but it has that same sort of feel to it. Um, oh, okay, so sure. if you're looking for that kind of experience, but you don't want to spend $45, or you want a version that you can play in 30 minutes or less, then, then it's probably a great game for you to pick up. Oh, very, yeah. very nice. Yeah, thanks. Uh, <laughs> let's see. We talked about you wearing a lot of hats. Um, <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's talk about Troll in the Corner. Sure. For a while here. Um, how long have you been doing that blog? Um, that blog I've been doing since 2008. Okay. Um, wow. So, yeah, I know. It is a long time, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> In internet terms? Yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> and it's um, it's been many different things at many different times. It's always sort of been a multi-author blog. Um, and I've had a cast and crew of um, um, at least 30 or 40 authors sort of come through and do their thing and, and do it for as long as they want, and then they move on to other things. Um, but I've always been the constant on there because I'm the one that pays for the hosting. Sure. Um, and it started off actually, I mean, back in 2008, I was very much into role-playing games. Um, so it was primarily a role-playing game, sort of a geek-focused thing. Um, around 2009, 2010, uh, you know, I had two kids and a full-time job, and I'm married, and I want to have a life outside of gaming. And it turns out that it's really hard to get together, like, once a month or twice a month or once every week to play role-playing games. And my focus started shifting towards board games because if somebody manages to get away from their family for you know, a night to come over and visit us or we can go over and visit them, you can pop out three games, have three different experiences in two and a half hours and go home uh, with very little prep. Um, I've always sort of been into board games as well, so I, I sort of changed the focus of the site to board games over time. Because um, at, at that time I was still putting out some role-playing games as well myself, um, and now it's primarily a board game-focused um, blog and some wargaming stuff too with, uh, with my buddy Jonathan, who's uh, who's still on there. Um, we used there for a while to do like a little miniature podcasting network. Um, the podcasting is sort of one of the hats that I'm I'm pretty much taking off at this point. Again, okay. it's the time constraint thing, yeah. you know, I, I can only do so many things, and one of the things that I really love to do as a hobby is design games. I love talking about games as well, but I can't do both, you know, twice yeah. a month or more. Uh, I just I just don't have the time. Um, so now it's more of a, um, a soapbox for me to get up on and say, hey, I'm designing this game, and this is what I'm doing, or hey, you know, this is, this is an idea that I had, or hey, I just saw this really cool game, I still do reviews on there occasionally, and this is why you should check it out. Um, and I, I will admit that the publishing activity has sort of slowed down as it tends to every time a Kickstarter happens that has my name sort of on it somewhere. Um, but hopefully it'll be picking up again as I start talking about more designs that I have um, out and about or that are sort of popping into my head. Nice. Yeah. Okay. What, 
what would you say? I mean, because it's been eight years doing mm -hmm. doing the blog. What what would you attribute the the, the to the longevity um, of doing the blog? I love talking about this stuff, um, and I don't always have somebody to talk to about it. Sure. Um, okay. So I can talk to myself on a blog, and then whenever I have time, you know, it could be on the train as I'm going to work, or it could be during a lunch hour, or it could be right now at 11 o'clock when the rest of my family's asleep. Um, and then I can put it online, and if somebody else has uh, an opinion or happens to like what I'm saying, they can read it or listen to me. Uh, basically, that's that's sort of an impetus for keeping it going. Um, I, I don't see any reason to stop it because occasionally I'll have a lot to say. I think, anyways, so I'll put it out there. If somebody wants to read it, they can read it. If they don't, they don't have to. Um, but it's a it's it's a way. It's an outlet for me actually to get the stuff out there and sort of in the world. Um, and once I've done that, I've kind of committed to it, and then I have to sort of follow through. So okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's talk about some some charity event uh, sure. type things that you've done. Uh, the Wayne Foundation. Yeah. <laughs> I the first time I heard about it, I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> it's a great name. Um, now you did a uh, a charity RPG pack. Yeah, I've done that. Um, I wasn't able to put it together this year um, again for the timing okay. thing, and because I'm not really into the RPG scene as much anymore. Sure. Um, but for three years previous, I, I've um, knocked on as many digital doors as I possibly could and said, hey, you know, I, I see you have something on Drive for RPG, I see you have a publication coming out, we throw it into this bundle, um, we sell the bundle for, and this isn't saying I'm not going to do it again because I'd love to as well, um, we sell the bundle for $20, $25, it usually ends up with at least $200 to $250 worth of material in there, and then 100% of this, um, whatever we make, goes off to the Wayne Foundation, uh, which is committed to ending um, exploitation of underage women, basically, or underage uh, females, girls, um, in, in the sexual trade, uh, particularly here in the U.S. Uh, and Jamie Walton, the woman who founded it, was herself a victim of this. Um, and I heard about her because I happened to listen to Smodcast with Kevin okay, Smith sure, and Scott yep. Mosier. Kevin Smith had a two-part interview with her, uh, which, which is brilliant, amazingly interesting to listen to, and also a little bit horrific. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I got through the episodes, and I'm thinking to myself, there's got to be something that I can do as, as a dude sitting at home, you know, in front of a computer with access to all these role-playing things. So I, um, I emailed her, and I actually had um, an RPG that I was doing, a very light RPG called Argyle Crew, which um, is sort of made for um, teachers, parents, um, um therapists want not to interact with kids and let them talk about stuff that may be happening to them in a slightly impersonal way. So I said, you know, hey, Jamie, you don't know me from Adam, um, but uh, and you probably don't know what a role-playing game is, but I'm putting this thing in there. I'd love to put an ad in there for the organization, and I'll donate 25% of the profits from this tiny little role-playing game. It'll probably be, you know, $6 a year, but hey, it's something towards you. And she's like, yeah, that'd be great. That's wonderful. And then I thought, well, I can do it. I guess other people could do it, too. So I started, like I said, knocking on doors and putting together this thing. And um, we've, we've donated uh, upwards of $6,000 uh, so far to the Wayne Foundation, which I think is really, really good. Um, for a small yeah. grassroots organization, you know, people just volunteer to help out. They volunteer to add their stuff. Um, they, you know, essentially are not making money off of a product that they've worked very hard on for the week that the, um, the bundle is on sale. And then push up off all the profits um, off to the Wayne Foundation. 
So yeah, that's it, is a, it is a because I had mine in there. I think two yep. years. Yeah, Mist Rider. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden one day I just I checked my email and I'm like, there's like all these sales notifications. I'm like, what is? <laughs> oh, that's right, that's the charity. Because also my, like my eyes look up like dollars. I'm like, oh, yeah. this, this yeah. is for charity, which is great. <laughs> but yeah, it was all of a sudden all these all these sales, and I'm like, well. As long as people are playing and enjoying and the money's going somewhere good. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it, it works out for, for those of us who make fairly small products as well because they get your products in front of a lot of people's eyes. And it's for, you know, it's for a great cause. So it's, it's yeah. kind of a win-win for everybody. Um, so I, that's something that I'd love to do again. I just have to carve out some time to be able to do it because um, – the one week uh, or the two weeks that we have the thing up for sale is usually about three months of my time, um, you know, hurting, getting RPG designers and publishers to all agree on one thing at one time is like hurting cats. So, um, and they're wonderful when they're doing it, but I love cats, but they're, they're it's like hurting cats. So um, <laughs> it, it takes a little bit of time to organize this sort of thing. Um, sure. And then the other thing that I, I've been doing a lot of uh, recently is Extra Life. Yep. Um, and that's um, that's a charity that started off with video games, um, supporting um, uh, uh, a girl who was um, in the hospital with um, cancer who unfortunately passed away. Um, but the folks who run Extra Life decided that they were going to do this as a yearly event. Um, and then uh, four or five years ago, they started including board games as well. I mean, basically, anybody who wants to play a game. So it's kind of like one of those things that your kids do, you know, when. Um, I don't know, like a jump rope at school or something like that where people will sponsor them to jump 500 times or whatever. So in this, it's you get sponsored to play games for 24 hours in a row. Twist my arm. Um, <laughs> so what I've started doing um, is I've, I've put together um, a team, an elite team of um, people who said yes to me, um, who are on Team Troll. And then I talked to a bunch of publishers, and I've gotten a lot of um, support from them, either um, by donating directly to Team Troll um, through the Extra Life page or sending us games. And then I'll distribute these games across the country to folks um, who are also on my team. And our goal is to get as many people together in as many different places on this one day to play games. And we give the games away um, from the publishers. We'll open up games and, and write reports on them, whatever it takes, um, just to get people to come. And then... Um, we we average about four or five thousand dollars a year that we've been doing this for Team Troll, um, but there have been a couple of years where we've we've reached eight or nine grand. Um, oh, wow. So and again, it benefits the Children's Miracle Network, which is um, children's hospitals um, throughout the United States, and I believe they're doing Canada um, and possibly a few other countries as well. Okay, well, uh, kind of continuing on with this theme here, if if there are other you know. Publishers, game creators, mm -hmm. and, and and folks like that. How what 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 steps would you recommend for helping them get involved with 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 charities like this? There's really just one step. Just do it. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, it's it's for people who always say they want to be a writer. The first thing you have to do is write. Um, you're not going to be a writer unless you don't write. So if you want to do something charitable with your game, with your ideas, with your time, with your money. Um, do a little research, find out what's out there, see what other people are doing. That's always a good lead, and then do it. Um, you know, Extra Life makes it very easy. They say this is, you know, you can do it anytime you want. Um, but they say this is, you know, the official Extra Life day. It's going to be on November whatever or October whatever. And this is the day where the majority of our folks are going to be doing this. They have a website where people can donate. The donations are, you know, 100% tax deductible. Um, well, 
as tax deductible as any donations are. Uh, but 100% of what you donate goes to the Children's Miracle Network as well and to the hospitals, um, which is one of the reasons why I like the charity. Um, so you just do it. You just sign up, and if you raise 50 bucks, that's 50 bucks that Children's Hospitals didn't have before. It's really that simple. Um, with something along the lines of the Rain Foundation, or maybe there's another organization out there that you happen to like, contact them and see what you can do. You know, do they need time? Do they need money? They probably need both. Um, so, or organize something, put something together. The, the difficult thing with the Lane Foundation charity bundle is that the money goes to the charity, but I'm not a charitable organization, neither is Drive for RPG. Um, so they rightfully so take their cut of the money because they're hosting the servers and giving everybody the bandwidth to download this giant thing. Yeah. Um, but you can't, you know, if you're, if you're spending $25 to purchase this bundle, it's not tax deductible. Um, so there's, that's something you have to look out for as well. Whereas with Extra Life, you sign up, you do all of your donations through them, uh, okay. and everything is that's productive. So keep that in mind while you're doing it. doesn't mean that either one is worth more or is more worthy, um, whichever way you go. I mean, in the end, uh, money is money for these charities, and, and if you pick a good one, they can always use it. Sure. Okay, cool. So basically, find a charity that you believe in, yep. contact them, and uh, try to make something happen based on their recommendations and what they're looking for. Absolutely. The one thing I've really learned about, um, you know, I've, I've reviewed games, I've reviewed RPGs, I've reviewed board games, I've had people on my podcast, I've interviewed people on, on email. Um, people are usually pretty cool. And particularly in this community, we have a really good community of pretty cool people. Yeah, there are going to be folks who have different ideological beliefs than you. You may not get along with everybody. Nobody ever does. But, you know, in putting together the charity bundle, I never once had anybody write back and say, no, this is idiotic. I'm not going to do this. I've had people just not respond, which is fine. Um, but I've had more people than I ever expected, you know, write back and say, yeah, sure. Yeah, here, here it is. You know, here's, here's my $25 PDF. Throw it in your thing for... You know, a week and raise some money for this charity. Wow. Okay. Thanks. Cool. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Just get out and do it, and people are pretty friendly. Very cool. Uh, before we wrap up our interview here, where can people find out more about you and upcoming projects and uh, how to get a hold of you? Sure. Uh, well, Troll in the Corner is a great place to start. That's trollitc.com. Um, whenever a stray thought pops into my head that I think I can write about and I have time, I'll put it up there. Um, if you're on G+, um, which, although there's been claims that it's a wasteland, I found that there's a huge amount of role players and board gamers on there and, and technical people in general, us, um, so to speak. Um, I, I, the guy who runs the board game group on there, there's almost 16,000 members uh, now. Um, I'm pretty active. I try and be on there at least five times a week. Uh, I usually have a daily question. Just find me on there and, and ask me a question. I'm on Twitter, uh, at TrollITC. Um, uh, Facebook is more of a private um, thing for me. I try and keep it down to people that I've at least interacted with. Um, but I'm on there, so you know, folks can message me. I, I may not answer. Um, and uh, there's email, which you can get from my website as well. So if, if anybody has any requests that are not just, hey, this is cool, or hey, what do you think of this, um, email is usually better unless I've interacted with you before. If it's a random message on Facebook, I may not get that. Okay. All right. Very cool. Well, thank you very much for your time. Absolutely. And um, quite honestly, if, if you come to a point where you need to duck out, feel free, and we'll, we'll contact you later through through other channels. Absolutely. Yeah, gentlemen, I think I am actually going to duck out because I have okay. an early morning tomorrow morning. Okay. Um, and 
that is what it is. Um, but yep. I want to thank you very much for having me on. I've had a great time. Oh, thank you for taking the time to, to join us, and we will get you the uh, the links for YouTube and the audio version of this uh, ASAP. Excellent. Thanks very much. Okay, thank you. All right, good night, Jets. Good night. Good night. All right. So uh, that was that was really cool. That uh, was a, a fun interview with with Ben. And uh, you know, I don't think we've really talked about uh, doing something charity wise with with gaming. So I think that's I really kind of want to uh, explore that topic a little bit more um, and find some other people that that do things like that. And I would I would kind of be interested in doing something with an adventure party tie-in with with an organization probably for me because it's very personal something with autism um so i don't know uh we'll we'll check some things out uh let us hop into the news uh i saw this and we've been talking <laughs> I've kind of been thinking about adding like little, you know, like a, a sound thing for, you know, going between the different segments of, of the, of our show. Um, you know, I, I want to turn this out to, to our listeners. If you think we should add more audio segue bits instead of doing awkward <laughs> verbal segues. <laughs> Uh, you can contact us uh, adventure at gncasts.com and you could also contact us uh, through Facebook. Uh, our Facebook group is where we're really a lot more interactive. Uh, you can just do a search for us in Facebook for the uh, Galactic Netcasts group uh, and, and let us know. Uh, we would, we'd love to hear from you and do we keep it just straight talk or do we put audio segues uh into the different segments of the show uh we'd love to hear from you here we go lead by example a star wars age of rebellion source book and we've talked about some of the the star wars rpg stuff here and i saw that this had popped up and uh, i found it very interesting this article was incredibly long uh, so i <laughs> i cut the ever-loving crap out of this uh so that we could you know, finish this up within an hour uh, because that article went on for a long time. Uh, here we go. Ready for a top position in the Rebel Alliance? Now is your time to join the ranks of talented leaders like Admiral Akbar, Mon Mothma, and Crix Medine. Lead by example, a Star Wars Age of Rebellion source book for commanders is now available at retailers. Uh, Lead by Example offers players of all careers new playable species, specializations, vehicles, and gear. For commanders in particular, it introduces two signature abilities. Rousing Oratory and Unmatched Authority. Basically, uh, <laughs> rule with an iron fist or you give a great speech. You give the, the Bill Pullman speech in uh, <laughs> Independence Day. <laughs> Uh, let's see. There we go. Uh, along with fresh ideas for commander backgrounds, motivations, and duties. Game masters will find advice on integrating commanders into the party, suggestions for constructing military campaigns, 
and detailed rules for mass combat scenarios in which rebel and imperial armies clash on multiple fronts. Uh, the play. Um, I yes. interrupt, Brad. Great. Does, does it tell you as a, as a uh, commander how to know when it's a trap? <laughs> I think that's a special call that you get from Admiral Akbar. Okay. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> you can't handle a something of that magnitude. I do a terrible a Admiral Akbar impression, and I throw it at people every once in a while. And the as, younger as everyone should. The younger folk go, what? And I'm like, have you not seen <laughs> the Star Wars films, Return of the Jedi? Anybody? For the uh, chicken, Admiral Akbar owes. <laughs> you can't handle flavor of that magnitude. I just think like, comes in, smacks the table. <laughs> oh, either you've seen that or you haven't. If you haven't, you need to you need to find it because it's absolutely hilarious. All right. Stay on target. Uh, the playable species of Lead by Example all have the potential for leadership positions in the galaxy-wide rebellion, but you may find that they each produce a different kind of leader. A Wookiee would, uh, would be unlikely to have the same relationship with his or her troops as a Zabrak or a Hut. <laughs> so do the Ishtib, the Chargarans, and the Lanik. Uh, will likely have different uh, understandings of what it is, what it means to lead, and very different relationships to violence and war. Uh, some of the other, uh, uh, um, oh gosh, careers. Uh, strategist is one of the three new specializations introduced by lead. Uh, by example, strategists are masters of data analysis, prediction, and understanding how small details may affect the bigger picture. Unique among commanders, strategists shy away from battle on the ground and among the stars. Instead of squads of aces and soldiers, they tend to command teams of slicers, uh, analysts, spies, and even other commanders. Uh, figureheads also rarely fight the front lines. Uh, they lead by inspiring and supporting others, giving the rebellion a positive public face and motivating other rebels to continue fighting. And third is instructors. And instructors are more than mere teachers of recruits. They may be injured soldiers no longer able to rush into battle, aces eager to teach other pilots their tricks, or tacticians put in charge of training a special ops team. Uh, we'll have the link to this. Uh, got it from Fantasy Flight Games. And, uh, uh, you know, I... I, we've talked about how we grew up playing the West End games version of of, of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to see that it's still alive under a different banner, uh, and it's nice to see that uh, they're continuing to to think about how to make it better. And 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 cool expansions of games are always appreciated uh, because they add extra life, extra playability, and uh, and if you're like a, a completist or something like that, or if you're a game master that's really kind of looking for good ideas, uh, you know, source books like this are are invaluable. So, 
Uh, we're going to continue on with the news with Ryan Murphy, and he has a segment here called the Galactic Gaming News. Uh, he also contributes other things to Galactic Netcasts. Uh, he covers more of the digital beat of gaming, and he has another update for us. So take it away, Ryan. Okay, thanks for that report, Ryan. Uh, you know, I talked about earlier some of the other shows that Galactic Netcast has. Uh, not just our show, but uh, we've got the Weird World Weekly, which uh, I've talked about it before. But if you're into conspiracy theories, and wow, there are a lot. <laughs> New <laughs> conspiracy theories are being generated every day. Uh, and that's what that show is about. It's one of our shorter shows. So if you are... You know, uh, if you're crunched for time, you want to listen to something that's interesting. Uh, Dave and Matt, uh, you know, spin the wheel and talk about uh, either a conspiracy theory or uh, something cryptozoological or what is cryptozoological? Uh, Bigfoot, Loch Ness, not Loch Ness monster. Uh, you know, creatures that are mythical haven't really been studied um but are have been seen by people and talked about and uh you know the mothman i think they've they've talked about him too uh, ghost stories things like that it it covers a wide range of strange things and and i highly recommend it it's a fun show to listen to uh, two shows that I'm on uh, as well, The Alien Invasion, The Sci-Fi Geeks Club, Alien Invasion. We talk about aliens in the news, aliens in uh, books, cinema, comic books, all different mediums. And then we throw a bit of science in there too. We'll talk about exoplanets and studies of actual legitimate alien life. So it's, it's not just... Uh, popular culture and speculation. Uh, it, there's actually some science that we try to throw in there as well. Uh, Sci-Fi Geeks Club, we bring in somebody who uh, has something to do with some aspect of, of sci-fi, and it's an interview show, uh, which is uh, always interesting, always entertaining, and uh, well worth a listen. And uh, the podcast of terror. No. Uh, if, you're, <laughs> if you're a fan of horror... Uh, this could be for you, uh, Matt and Corey. And there's another uh, gentleman that comes in from time to time. Very interesting dude. Uh, they talk about uh, horror in different genres. And uh, it's a very entertaining show. It's a very blue show. Blue by, uh, it's not safe for work. I guarantee you that. It's a swear fest, uh, which, you know, uh, that, that's cool too. Uh, it's a funny show. Uh, well worth a listen. Uh, gosh, we also host Galactic Net Bites, like you just heard Ryan Murphy give his reports. Uh, who knew and reviews? We do all sorts of things. I'm gonna wrap this up here. This is taking too long. Uh, but you can check it all out at gncasts.com and uh, find out uh, what else you might uh, that we cover that you might be interested in. So, all right, we're gonna talk about the Kickstarter spotlight. And last week you brought <laughs> you brought Pugmire, Pugmire to the table, and uh, I thought it was very interesting that uh, Corey Scott, who is one of the uh, co-hosts of Podcast of Terror, uh, sent that link to uh, Pugmire our way from an uh, article that was on IO9. <laughs> yes, and, and you were you were able to say, "Ha, we already covered that," and he's like, Ugh, "Curse you for being on top of things." Uh, 
tell us, uh, give us a, a, a little rundown here. What's Pugmire about? Pugmire is about a, a guy who was a dog washer in Montana, and he catches criminals. Wait, no, that's <laughs> oh, that's that's Longmire. Sorry, man. the sheriff. No, Pugmire. <laughs> that's, that's what I thought I, about when I but I heard it too. I'm like, that's what? all I can think of whenever I, I I hear the music for Longmire. Whenever I hear Pugmire, but no, Pugmire is an RPG about, um, for lack of a better term, anthropomorphic dogs. Uh, it's it's a kind of a fantasy post-apocalyptic future uh, where uh, mankind has died off, but you still have their faithful companions' dogs. Um, and it's just great because, as we've covered, you know, you've got the whole code of man, which is all about uh, it's important to dogs because it teaches them that they all need to be good dogs in the eyes of the old ones. So you have to be like, you know, be a good dog, uh, bite only those who need you to protect your home and stuff like that. So it's it's just an interesting looking little role play game. Um, and then of course they've got tons of stretch goals and something because I think they've hit one or two of their stretch goals. They were they were looking for fifteen thousand um, dollars. They still have thirty days to go, and they're currently at one hundred and thirty thousand two hundred eighty seven dollars. So mm. yeah, they they they've hit their goal. Uh, almost a thousand percent. Over. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, and the artwork looks looks great too. I mean, I, I I've always been a little weirded out by anthropomorphic dogs. There's yeah. something about them, but I still I like the artwork in this. Yeah, it is it is gorgeous. And uh, if you are checking uh, checking us out here on the YouTube's, uh, here is a taste of some of the artwork uh, from their Kickstarter campaign. Uh, them fighting these uh, mutated ants. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, you know, this kind of reminds me a little bit of the uh, the classic DC comic Commandy. Mm, okay. There is, uh, you know, man, it's way in the future. Mankind has mostly died off. Uh, there are some left, but there are anthropomorphic dogs. Um, and it's uh, it's sci-fi. It's the future. Uh, so there's, you know, ray guns and stuff like that. Uh, but it also has a, a bit of, uh, gosh, yeah. you know, a bit of the, the like basic weapons, things that you just, you know, rocks and tomahawks built out of, you know, sticks and <laughs> hunks of rock. But uh, it, yeah. it's an interesting mixture. And uh, when I saw this, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Yeah. And if, if there's people out there who are concerned about, well, that's a lot of money for a game about dogs. This is actually going to happen. The fact that it's being done by um, uh, Richard Thomas, who, if you don't know who he is, this is a guy who was, I mean, he goes back to the early days of White Wolf magazine and White Wolf yeah. books. Um, and Onyx Path, which currently does a lot of the old yeah. uh, World of Darkness stuff and, you know, brings all the new stuff. So it's it's got good names behind it. It's got people who have delivered on numerous Kickstarters in the past. So... Yeah, I I can't say enough good things about Onyx Path, especially with their uh, updated stuff that they're doing for, and I've mentioned it before, for Vampire the Masquerade, the, the 90s version. And they're doing 20th anniversary kind of updates to, uh, I mean, 20 years, a lot of technology has definitely changed, and they've got updated stats on, on those changes and stuff like that, and new stories, and uh, they do a hell of a job, hell of a job. Uh, and I'm sure that Pugmire is going to be uh, absolutely amazing as well. And uh, yeah, 30 days to go on this, and they've just 
<laughs> blown way past their goal. Yeah. Uh, but it's gotten great coverage. You know, it's original. It's different. Um, you know, and and the artwork on this. Uh, check it out on Kickstarter. Just look up Pugmire on Kickstarter and just look at the artwork. It is absolutely beautiful. And um, if, if you're on the fence, just think Lord of the Rings meets Planet of the Apes, but with dogs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, if you were to boil that down, perfect. Absolutely perfect. Which and, I stole from their Kickstarter page. I did not create that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to take credit for 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 their description. You're, you're wrecking the fantasy here. I, <laughs> I'm like, oh, Glenn, that's perfect. Oh, okay. Well, you copied that from somebody else. No, yeah. it's a great accessible way to describe it. Uh, and definitely, if you check it out on Kickstarter, read the Code of Man. Yes, they have the the seven, uh, the seven uh, tenets of the code of man for for the Pugmire, uh, the, for the dogs uh, in Pugmire, the religion, and uh, it is it is wonderful. It just seems so well thought out. It seems like they uh, there's a lot of love and a lot of thought that went into to creating this setting, and oh by God, I, if you are if you are into RPGs and you're looking for something a little bit different, uh, this I, I would I would do this in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. All right. Well, you know, I I, we, I was checking out uh, Ben's website, Troll in the Corner, and I found a game that he's been talking about on Kickstarter. <laughs> and the name looks to looks like an onomatopoeia to me. Zerpang! With an exclamation mark. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to uh, do a screen share here. Whoop, there we go. And, oh, there. Okay. It's like it's the first time I've done a screen share for some reason. All right. So, Zerpang is a, it's a board game, an epic battle for survival between zombies, elves, robots, pirates, aliens, ninjas, and gunslingers. <laughs> Uh, this is being done by thegamecrafter.com, and it's two to six players, one to two hours, and the ages are 12 and up. Uh, looking at this, it looks a lot like Chinese checkers. Uh, you do have the ability, you know, it's two to six players. Looking at the screen here, you've got seven roll cards, 107 game cards. You get all the miniatures for the different... Uh, "Quote unquote races for the game. You get the game board, the the manual, and the box for the game. Well, that should just kind of be. Well, I guess that isn't a an absolute, uh, but well reviewed. Gameosity, Father Geek, uh, all us geeks uh, have given it some some good reviews here. If you're looking at the screen here, this would be a setup for a two player game. Now it's a I said it's like Chinese checkers, uh, and I mentioned that there are cards that are a part of the game here. And uh, as you draw cards, they allow you to do special things. So these miniatures are really kind of, they're, I don't want to say that they're cartoonish, but they are, here we go. They are about uh, two inches tall, about five centimeters. Uh, <laughs> zombie, vampire, Robot, pirate, alien, ninja, gunslinger. <laughs> just love the looks. Uh, very stylized, uh, very interesting. And 
uh, it looks like a really fun game. So yeah, I wanted to to bring this uh, to everybody's attention. Uh, at the uh, you can do the one dollar thank you. The fifth for fifteen, you get the miniatures. You get one type of each of the molded miniatures for the game. <laughs> but if you do fifty nine, you get a copy of the game and any new stretch goals uh, as they unlock. Now, I'm a little concerned. Looking back at the history of our Kickstarter, uh, Kickstarter Spotlight, we've only had one game so far that has not successfully uh, been backed. And that was the 60s airline game. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now. I'm a little concerned. This looks like a really fun game. There's 19 days left to go. They're looking for 36,000. Right now, they're just under 8,000. So... It's gonna be close. Uh, I really, I really hope that this gets gets put together here because it looks, it looks like a lot of fun. It really looks like a lot of fun. Uh, a board game of this level for you to be able to, you know, take on different genres. Uh, I mean, it's a genre mix uh, in this game, and it looks like a lot of fun. You should check out the videos for gameplay. Uh, it looks like a lot of fun. The artwork here on the, the cover for the box is absolutely beautiful. And it's yeah. called Zerpang! Exclamation mark. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun. And I, I, really, I really hope that they get this off the ground because it looks like it would be a lot of fun to do. So that is the Kickstarter spotlight for this week. Zerpang! And you can check out the uh, the show notes. You'll, you'll find links to uh, each of these particular games. So, all right. Now that we've done everything out of order, I'm like, oh gosh, what, have we missed anything? And- uh, oh, Of course we probably have. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, we haven't. Uh, uh, we've we've kind of hit everything. Uh, we're going to start to wrap this up here. We're going to talk about Hello, My Name Is, and it's an opportunity for you to uh, tell us about your favorite character um, that you are currently playing, uh, have played in the past, and you can tell us about the game system that you played that character. Uh, it's a great way for us to not only just highlight you and your character that you played, but for us to discuss RPGs that uh, either we've played in the past or we've heard of and maybe share stories and, and kind of, I don't know, give you an opportunity to, to hear and experience other game systems that you might not normally play. So it, it's an exchange, essentially. You tell us about your character and then we talk about it and inform other people of other game systems. And, uh, and that's really what it's all about. And connecting with you guys that uh, do take the time to listen to us, which we appreciate greatly. Uh, you can go to uh, gncasts.com and click on the Adventure Party page. There is an icon for Hello, My Name Is. Uh, you click it, there's a short, a short form for you to fill out. Uh, questions about your name, your character's name, the game system. Yeah, I do ask for an email address, but the only reason why I do that is to send you a certificate back, which is a thank you for taking the time to to send us some information so we can talk about you, your character, and that game system. So check it out, gncast.com slash adventure. And 
uh, click the icon that says, hello, my name is, and you're on your way. We got a little bit of feedback that I wanted to talk about. And like I've always said, uh, positive or negative, we, we'd love to hear it um, because that's how we keep that dialogue going in our community and uh, try to make a better show. And uh, one of our frequent uh, YouTube uh, viewers, uh, I, I'm always afraid I'm going to butcher the name, uh, goes by uh, Mihoshika Fer Ferud. Yes. I'm going to go with that. Uh, you know, straighten me out. <laughs> if I got it wrong, you can contact us by email adventure at gncasts.com and you can straighten me out with the pronunciation. <laughs> uh, and uh, two weeks ago, uh, I, I haven't been thorough in, in scouring our, our YouTube channel for comments. Uh, only came across, uh, across you due to Rothfuss, which refers to episode seven when we talked with uh, author Patrick Rothfuss uh, about um, world building in, in games. Uh, so, of course, he deserves the thanks. We're continuing on with the, uh, with the feedback. Uh, and this is referring to episode 37, uh, uh, Keith Mateka and Thunderworks Games. Uh, uh, Miho Ashika says, uh, this particular one seemed a, a bit less interesting than the other Adventure Party episodes. Uh, I wish I had more details. Please contact us and, and let us know why it wasn't quite as interesting. I'd love to find out. And, uh, you know, that'll help us guide future interviews Um yeah, you know, maybe I was a had a low energy day, or <laughs> uh, a, a few yeah, more I details. I, I mean, it was, I think a lot of it was it was also a lot more technical. I think uh, so that yeah. may have been it. But I mean, yep. me myself, I I liked a lot of the technical stuff, but also you know, it's this show is not just for me. Well, yeah, I, you know, I 98 guess ninety-eight percent for me. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, I. I and I, I guess to address, you know, your concern here, uh, Mihoshika, the one thing that I, I, I kind of wanted to do as well is push back the curtain a little bit. And if there are people that listen that uh, have never gone forward and done a Kickstarter, um, you know, they've thought about it and they've been on the fence. I, I, I like to have folks like Keith come on to try to help people – dispel some myths, get rid of some of that fear and, and move ahead on, on, on Kickstarter stuff. So, you know, some of that is, you know, distribution. I know we spent a, a bit of time on distribution and um, fulfillment of Kickstarter stuff. And I'm kind of wondering if that was the portion that you found a, a little bit less interesting. I can see where it would be not as action packed and, and as fun and funny as, as some of the other stuff that we've done. And, and you make a valid point there. Um, but I guess in the defense, we kind of wanted to show how things were done uh, and, and get some of that background for folks that have been on the fence and may have been a little bit afraid to, to get their game into Kickstarter and uh, answer some of those questions of, okay, I want to do this now. How do I go about doing it? Um, any opportunity that we can take to inform people and, and um, you know, get them that information to help bring about more games possibly. Yeah, I'm not going to say that our, our show is a launching for millions of games. No, that's not it. 
it's, you know, if anybody's listening and they've had an interest and they were afraid, I was hoping that some of that knowledge would dispel that fear and kind of help them move on to the next level. And, and I think that was, that might've been the portion that, that you found not quite as exciting, but you know, valid point of view. And thank you. If I'm off base on, on, if that was the portion that you found not quite as interesting, uh, contact us and, and let us know. You can either, uh, uh, add another comment to episode 37, or you can email us, uh, like I said before, adventure at gncasts.com. Uh, speaking of which, you can find more of our meetings, show notes uh, for each of them, uh, contact info, subscription links by going to gncasts.com slash adventure. Uh, you can find and follow us on Twitter or join our Facebook group. Like I said before, we're very active on the group, not so much on the page. Uh, all you need to do to find the group is just go into Facebook, do the search term for Galactic Netcasts group, and you will be able to find us. Uh, you can also find all of our social media outlets by clicking on the links on our website, which is gncasts.com. Uh, you can find our YouTube channel, which uh, this every show appears on YouTube first. Uh, and this will be the unedited version uh, on YouTube uh, what we put in the audio version, I usually tighten up spaces. I get rid of some ums and ahs and stuff like that just to try to make a, a smoother, uh, better sounding. I do kind of uh, filter out some of the some of the sound issues that we may have from time to time and uh, you know, try to make a cleaner audio version for you to listen to. Uh, the uh, video versions you can find at youtube.com slash galactic netcasts. Uh, if you're using iTunes or Stitcher, we ask that you take a moment to give a review. iTunes has the one to five star rating. Uh, that could be for the show or the particular episodes. And uh, Stitcher, you give a thumbs up, thumbs down for the episode. Uh, if you do that, uh, leave a little, give us a little write up and let us know why you gave us that particular uh, rating. Uh, if it's a five star, what did you really like about the show that uh, that really piqued your interest and you thought it was was worthy of a five star? Uh, if you give us a thumbs down on Stitcher, let us know. Uh, you know, like I said, we we addressed uh, a negative. It wasn't negative. It was a constructive criticism, I guess, is the best way uh, to phrase that from uh, Mihoshika. We're not afraid to to have that conversation <laughs> with folks and and maybe explain some of the things that are going on and make tweaks and, and adjustments. Uh, we don't do the show for ourselves. We do it for the people that, well, I'm not going to lie. We do it for ourselves <laughs> a bit. But, uh, you know, we want people to, to listen, uh, ultimately. You, you do a show for that reason. And, uh, you know, if there's something you like, you don't like, let us know. Uh, we would like to do either more of it or less of it and uh, make a better show. Uh, like I said before, you can leave feedback by emailing adventure at gncasts.com or you can call or text us at our number 805-328-3966. Again, 805-328-3966. Uh, like I said, you can call or text. If you do text, depending on your particular plan, uh, you know there might be a charge for the text. Uh, you can also leave us a direct message on our website, gncasts.com. On the left-hand side, you'll see a, a little um, thin bar that says leave a message. You click on that, and you can record an MP3 uh, review or whatever bit of, uh, 
of audio you'd like to feedback you'd like to give us and that gets shot to us in an email and uh, we can talk about it on the show uh, unfortunately, Ben isn't here, so I can uh, thank him in person. I think we did a pretty good job of that while he was here, but uh, I want to give a shout out to Ben and thank him for the time that uh, we did the show a little bit late. Uh, uh, my my son was upset about something, and uh, I, my son comes first. <laughs> so uh, I had to push the show back a little bit, and unfortunately, that come, cut into Ben's time, and I, I do apologize for inconveniencing him for that, but I do appreciate that he still took the time to talk to us and uh, go over go over what he does as a game designer and a podcaster and a blogger. So uh, we will post uh, the links that he mentioned before and how to uh, get a hold of him and, and uh, how to get to his blog and find out more about him. But uh, Glenn, you're still here. So uh, how can people find out more about you, Mist Runner or the B movie bunker? Dead silence, Phil. Um, <laughs> You can find me on Facebook, uh, just uh, Glenn Bittner. Also, the B Movie Bunkers on Facebook, as is Mr. Under the RPG. Uh, you can find me on YouTube with Naked Productions and the B Movie Bunker, as well as just follow me on Twitter at Naked Hobo. <laughs> Never gets old. I, I wanted to ask you: You've done uh, shorts. You you've done Hell. You've done Oh God, and I backed them. I'm blanking. You've done Hell? Oh, Hell, Prey, and Handy are the three shorts I've done. Yes. God, I love I love Handy so much. Um, <laughs> Thanks, uh, brother. <laughs> so uh, Glenn has made some horror shorts uh, that are well worth checking out. And uh, any plans to do some more? I know you, time is... Uh, yeah, time, time is part of it, and... Uh... I do have plans. I, I have a cup. I have one script actually done. Oh, I know uh, our mutual friend Mark, the movie man. Oh, okay. Has a script he wants to shoot, and uh, our our wonderful theme music man, Mark Wildridge, has one or two. So, oh, nice. Uh, it's just a matter of we need to get people together. Um, yeah. And, and do it. Um, and I I always feel kind of guilty of it because my part of it is really. For lack of a term, easy. <laughs> um, I'm not, not saying that writing a script is is easy, but I mean these these are these are super short shorts. So um, banging out a script does not take me a long time, and we do at least the, the ones we've shot we've shot in a day. Okay. Um, but then I have like like Mark Wildridge spends a lot of time editing all the sound, and then uh, Dave Garachi, uh, a friend of mine, you know he masters all the video. So they put in a lot of extra work. So it's it's a lot of it. It's the uh, getting them to do stuff. And Dave also does all my camera work. So I mean, oh, Dave okay. is. I gave him director credits on on the last two shorts because while I wrote the script, I mean, Dave sets up the shots. You know, I I tell Dave basically this is what I want, and he makes it happen. So nice. I mean, he's the cinematographer. He's pretty much the director. I mean, I'm more uh, a contributing like assistant director. <laughs> <laughs> and writer sure. so yep um it's getting everyone together and then you know because you have to you have to block out at least a full day yeah. um and i mean we shot handy and prey both on the same day 
and, oh, and wow. that was yeah i mean it helped that they both fit at the same location but um if if we had gone for a little bigger production that would have been hard to pull off yeah um but yeah it's it's getting everyone together because it's it's a fair chunk of commitment you know with with all the other little stuff you have to do you know all the prep stuff you have to do getting make sure you have all your all your the props you need make sure casting um yeah yep. be, it's it's hard casting because um these are not paying gigs yeah, yeah. So you're not going to get, you know, someone who's like an actual professional actor for the most part because those people, they deserve to be paid for what they do. That's sure. what they do for a living. They deserve to be paid. So you need to get volunteers because I'm not making money off of this. Um, you know, I, I've run Kickstarters or I think I did Indiegogo, Indiegogo for, yep. for the last one. And, you know, after I uh, buy the props I need and I, I feed uh, – feed the staff you know, the the crew for the day um and then this last one you know for praying handy we we borrowed a guy's farmhouse and i gave him uh he didn't ask for anything but I, I i gave him a little something for letting us you know invade his house for 12 hours um and then once all that's done then then it's the fact of i have to buy the blank dvds buy the dvd cases sure. print all yeah. the covers all the all the slips that go in there so it's you know at the end of the day i might raise 500 bucks from indiegogo but uh i'm gonna spend seven or eight hundred yeah so um and then and then worry because i i still think i i some people i never actually gave dvds who they were supposed to get them and it's just always with every case where i've done i'm like did i give everyone who was because it's the ones that it's people that i don't know real well I know they got their stuff because I, you know, I mailed those out. Then it's all the people where I'm like, I'm I'm gonna save the eight buck shipping, and I'll just, you know, (laughs) when I'm up in Stevens Point for trivia, I'll just give these to people who get them. Or when I go down to visit my friends in St. Louis, I'll just deliver these, and then I'm like, did I ever give them theirs? I don't (laughs) know because I didn't keep a good track. So, um, you know, I I try to throw that out. I tried throwing that out on Facebook, you know, like a month after. Like, did I? Oh yeah, I saw that. Yep. Yep. who should have gotten stuff so and if there's someone listening who didn't who was supposed to let me know i still well i mean i think i have some copies on hand otherwise it's not that hard for us to burn more copies of the dvd and i've got 200 empty dvd cases so oh, there you go because <laughs> there was a good deal on them on ebay so uh to make a long story short uh i made check- little movies <laughs> <laughs> Check out uh, Naked Hobo Productions on YouTube, and you can check out uh, Handy, Pray, and Hell. Uh, it's a good time. It, it, they're and they're short. They're short films. Just uh, you, just you could have watched all three of the amount of time we just talked about them. Probably. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and they are very very entertaining. So uh, please uh, check them out. Uh, on that note since we're not really a horror podcast, but I wanted people to, to know a little bit more about some of the stuff that you do, Glenn, uh, because well, thanks, it's, it's fun stuff. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to Horror Talk and <laughs> joining us on the adventure party. Uh, may your characters never die and your adventures always be epic. Thank you and good night. been listening to a production of galactic netcasts for more about this show and others go to gncasts.com that's g-n-c-a-s-t-s.com